and I was going to be the best griever there was. So I went to counseling and I went to support groups and I just was determined to do a great job. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way. Welcome to This Is Gonna Hurt, Widows Mentoring Widows. I'm Patty G. Three years ago today, I suddenly became a widow. I'm hoping this podcast helps other women navigate widowhood. This podcast was inspired by my first guest, Tony. Her husband died a year before mine, and she wanted to share what she had learned when I became a widow. I didn't know that I needed to hear what she had to say. Soon we became friends. Her courage made me want to share what I had learned with other widows. I talked to Tony last summer, and she began by telling me about her work and family life. I have been a lifelong teacher and school principal, active in the workplace, but also very active with my family. I was married for... um, over 43 years before my husband passed away, and have we had three children together, and now I have 10 grandchildren. So that keeps me very busy. Well, Tony, you're the reason that I even thought about this podcast, because um, Tony was a co-worker. We just shared office space, basically, and I had only our group had only been there about a year, and so we would always say hello and things, but you know, you were going through a lot with your husband and him dying, and we didn't really know each other well enough to communicate a lot about that. But then my husband died suddenly, and at the visitation, you came up to me and said, I've got things I'm, I need to tell you. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to talk to her. <laughs> and then you started coming into my office and just telling me things about what was going to happen to me now that this had happened? And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Do you remember okay. some of the things you said? I I don't remember so much what I said, but I, I think about that. And I would never have predicted that that's what I would do, but I just felt moved to do it. I was glad I had my work. I was happy with my work. And I was going to be the best griever there was. So I went to counseling and I went to support groups. And I just was determined to do a great job. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way. I know when you look back at those times, I just remember it was like walking through soup to even get into the office, and you just sort of stare at that computer. Right. I don't think you you know who you are or what you want to do. It's It really is being in shock. I mean, you just have, you're just stopped in your tracks, and life kind of goes on around you, and yet Entering into it in the way you had before is just not possible. I, I think I was amazed at you, Patty, because you were doing things faster than I did. I, I kept working, but things on a personal level, I didn't want to take care of right away. I only did what I had to do. Yeah, I had some sort of weird adrenaline going. I mean, mm-hmm. I look back at that and some of the things I did clearing out the house, there's no way I could do that now. I don't. That was some weird adrenaline. So like, that's one reason I want to do this as well, is everyone handles it differently and oh. you don't know. So like you said, I feel like I handled it. If you would have told me that I'd be in the situation, I would have thought I would handle it one way, and I, I was polar opposite. How about you? That's what's surprising. That's exactly what happened to me. I, uh, again, initially thought I'd, I would do this great, and I'd be a high achiever. And I can remember going to a, a grief support group 
And people would go around the room and say, you know, I lost my husband 10 years ago, and I wish I could smile again. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, that won't be me. No way. I'm not going 10 years into this. And yet, I think that grief has its own way with you. And in my case, I powered through the first year, was very active, did all kinds of things, was never home, never home, accepted every invitation I received to go out, um, went out to many dinners with friends. And then the summer, it was probably close to a year and a half after my husband passed, and I got sick. I got bronchitis, and I was down for like two weeks. And I don't think it was just the bronchitis. I think it was an enforced retreat. You know, it was a time to say, there is no other way out of this. You're not going to escape it. Slow down. And that was a very interesting experience, and certainly one you'd never predict or one I would never have attached to this, except that having gone through those couple weeks, I was different coming out the other side. Can you explain that a little bit? How do you think you were different after those two weeks? Well, I think during those two weeks, I was so exhausted, I couldn't move. And I remember people talk about signs like seeing birds and things. Well, I can remember going to my kitchen window one day, and it would have been our 44th anniversary, 45th anniversary. And um, I looked out the window, and there was a cardinal on my deck, and it was like looking at me. And I thought, this is very weird. And it looked at me, looked away, looked at me again, and then flew off. Well, then the next day was Father's Day. Uh And so it happened again, the exact same thing. And, I mean, I was so sick that I was barely walking at all, you know, just maybe the kitchen to get water, and then I'd go sit down again. And so it was very strange. That happened three days in a row, and I couldn't couldn't believe it. But I felt that there were signs, and they were signs that, I think, you know, my husband was okay and signs that came to me and things I honestly would never have noticed. So at the end of the two weeks, how were you feeling? Were you feeling a little like you accepted this better? I think so, yes. I think I felt I accepted it better. And I felt a little relieved, you know, like I could go on a little more. But the experience doesn't end. You know, it's a journey that continues and it just takes different shapes. It helped me tremendously to talk with you. And I know when I would, after my husband passed, your husband passed, it seems like I ran into people everywhere who were suffering in this way. And it helped me a great deal to reach out to them and be with be with others. I think that says a lot about you and your <laughs> kind heart. I remember one of the... F- one of the first two things you told me that I remember, you know, like you say, everything's so foggy, but you said that you had heard that you, you need to take care of your health because getting sick is very common. Right. And then uh, to be careful about driving. Absolutely. Yes. That's what someone had told me that first year. And I was pretty guarded that way. I did pretty well the first year. And then you start to get a little freer. You free up a little bit. In some ways, that's good. And in some ways, some ways I'm not sure it's so good. It just is what it is. That's the hardest thing to accept. And no one, fortunately, no one tried to tell me how to grieve. People gave me a lot of space, and that helped a lot. I like to read, and one of the things that, that I thought, someone gave me a book and, about grief, and I tried to read it, and I thought, I can't, I'm glazing over. I couldn't read this book. It was a wonderful book. I read it later, but I couldn't read it. And 
my daughter handed me a book that I just loved, and it was absolutely the only thing I could read. And it was a tiny little handbook called Healing After Loss. And it was just daily meditation, short, a short paragraph and a little quote. That's all I could handle in a day. And that helped me tremendously. I would I would get up in the morning and, and just make it straight to my reading chair and sit down, and that was my constant companion. It was interesting to me how something like that becomes something that you cling to. You know, you cling to surprising things. So that was something that I've handed out to everybody I know who becomes a widow or suffers a great loss. Well, and you gave me that book as well, and I'm doing the same thing. And what I noticed, too, is, you know, I, you read it, and then the next year you're in a new place, and you read those same quotes, and it's, they hit home just as hard. Exactly. But in a different way. In a different way. I can remember reading things that, that would um, talk about how after a while your loved one will be present in a new way. I couldn't even imagine it. But it is true. Time does help, and, and time helps you reframe, I think, a little bit and start to appreciate. I can remember the first time I really laughed out loud, and it was probably a couple years after my husband passed away, but it felt so good. And I think you're finally breathing. Yes. <laughs> they always say, don't forget to breathe. And that's really true. Would you mind sharing about the first trip you sort of took on your own? Like you, it was a big deal. To, was it a wedding you attended where you went as, a, you know, now you're a single person and you get there? Do you remember this or not? I'm not, I'm not sure which one it was. I know that I went to a family reunion. Maybe that's what it is, yes. And this particular trip was to the family reunion, then to a conference, a two-day conference I wanted to attend, and then on to my son's. And it involved different airplane trips and a train. And it took a lot of courage for me to do that because, again, that had been my husband's bailiwick. He arranged trips. I went with him and smiled and got on the plane when I was supposed to. And all of a sudden it was me planning it and having to pivot from one one activity to another, I just felt very out there, felt very alone. And yet when it was over, I was exhilarated because I'd done it. And so it's amazing what become little victories. It, it almost at the time sounds silly to say out loud, but, you know, going to a restaurant alone, that's a big deal. It was for me. Now, for some people, that isn't at all. But little things like that that you never even think of or, or talking to a contractor that's doing something around your home. I mean, those are things that, you know, many of us have never done. And it takes courage, and you have to, have to gain confidence. Which e- with each little thing, I think you gain con- confidence in your decisions. But it's slow. For me, it was um, caulking a window upstairs. I had just, there were these... Those stink bugs were getting in. Yes. So someone had come and said, well, that's because you've got, you're going to have to caulk your window. And I'm like, I have, what? <laughs> but I, I did it. I'm not, to this day, I don't know if it's the correct kind of caulk. But, right. <laughs> but I did it. I remember standing there with that caulking gun. Every little decision, I, I think at first, in my case, I was pretty paralyzed. I think in your case, you had more adrenaline and you did things. I know we talked about rings. Yes. You know. You were pretty quick to say, okay, the ring's off. And I was still wearing my ring a year ahead of you in this process. It was a little difficult for me to take my rings off, since some people never do, and that's all okay. I think that's all okay. But 
all those symbols and all those things you live with, your own pace is your own pace, and you just have to respect. Like people say, you know, grief has its way with you. I really feel that's true. You don't control grief. No. And whenever you think you've controlled it, it pops right back up. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but it's really helpful. It was very helpful to me to talk to others and to allow others, you know, to share. I think that that makes you feel less isolated and gives you a little more confidence. And I, I have followed your lead. I, you know, I've had at least two or three friends who have become widows, and I reach out now. And not so much to say I'm sorry or to commiserate. I mean, you do, of course, you do that naturally, but mostly just to say, well, here we are, and this is what helped me, I and know. I share your advice or different other people's advice. It's a sisterhood you don't choose. Exactly. And so I think, like, for me at first, when people were trying to gather me in these groups, I didn't like that. You know, I like this one-on-one, and I think I'm a little different now, but at first, it's just I did not want to be a part of this club. Yes, yes. I think I resisted that, too. And like I said, when I first went to the first group, I was fine in individual counseling. um, But boy, when I went to that first group, I just wanted to achieve. I wanted to do a great job. And it, it was kind of mixed up. So it wasn't a comfortable thing. And it wasn't healing for me and probably wasn't very helpful for those around me. Yeah, but all that's okay. It just wasn't its time. Right. Yeah. Right. You just try it and see what works and what doesn't. Exactly. Would you like to talk at all about how your faith has helped? My faith has been important. And it's just taken many forms. I think it's it has slowed me down in a sense and really allowed me to try and just be present and open to what God gives me. A very good friend of mine when my husband first passed away, said, this is wonderful. There's so many possibilities open to you. And I just really resented that statement. And I think that my friend was trying to say, don't get stuck, move forward. But for me, I just couldn't even hear that. I guess I just could not hear that. I couldn't hear about a future. I think right. for at first I wanted to be stuck. I didn't want to face it. And um, I remember that, and my son said the same thing to me, and for some reason I was able to accept it a little better from him, and he just said, I'm really looking forward to what you become. And I thought, that's interesting. Yeah. And that was very, that was that felt supportive. So things hit you in a funny way, and you, again, you don't always know what your reaction is. It's not what people say many times. It's where you are when yeah, they say it to you. So you just... Yeah, I think that being present for others and allowing them to be present for you is a huge step. And, you know, my faith and going to church and praying and all those practices that were kind of rote in my life came just a little bit more meaningful when I needed um, a place to center. It's interesting in your life, you don't always know what's going to matter at at what point. So I I was very grateful to have that and to have at least some faith and basis in faith to to draw on because it gave me comfort, along with the people, certainly the people. And another thing I have talked to other people and thinking about is our husbands died differently in that Paul's was sudden and and your husband... And Bob's was... You know, suffered through cancer. Yes. But when you open that door to widowhood... That doesn't make a lot of difference. I mean, it's like 
some people say, well, you've had chance to say goodbye or whatever. And that's one thing. I think that's one stage of things. And that's a whole different story. But when it comes to now, we're, the door's open and we're in the, on the planet. I'm just Patty. Yes. You're just Tony. Yes. That's, that's a shared experience no matter what came no before matter, that. No matter how you got there. I think that, that that's absolutely right because I know people said that to me. Well, he's sick. And, you know, not in a dismissive kind of way, but just trying to understand, I think. And it didn't matter because he was sick. He knew he had cancer for 11 years, and he did very well. And so we had many victories. And honestly, for our marriage, it was a great thing because it was something that together we faced. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when that, that end is that end, and I don't care how it happens, it's, like you said, it throws you into another place entirely. So you're never ready. I was so touched by how many people stepped forward. I think that's another reason that I wanted to step forward, because other people stepped forward to comfort me and to help me in any way, and I mean any way. That's and, nice. And that really, it, it calls you. It calls you to do the same for anyone you can. So I think no one in this position should feel that their help isn't good enough or that they won't know what to say because I think just being with someone, walking with them. I know, Patty, like we did dinners and movies. and Basketball games. Basketball games. We did all kinds of things together, which we never had before. Nope. But all of a sudden we had this bond. And it, it really is a bond that is better shared. But I think the sadness that at least it brought on to me, I had to kind of watch myself when I would get too insulated that I would get out and be with people and do more. And again, everyone's different. Everyone needs something different. But in my case, I had to be careful because it was would have been easy to just kind of check out of life's activity. I've heard, and I know I went through this, and I'm just getting out of it, hopefully, is all this TV watching. And <laughs> my my other friend is like, <laughs> just what? I guess it just numbs you or something, but. I think so. I did that, too. I would go to work because I had to go to work. That was a great thing. And I would crawl in the door at night, and a sil- the silliest things, you do the silliest things. So when my husband was sick, and at one point, his legs started really bothering him. So he would sit in the in the family room and say, would you just please bring my dinner in here? And I never wanted to do that. I said, you should eat at the table. We should always eat at the table. This is what we do. Well, since he died, I hardly ever eat at the table. I take my food into the family room and eat it. And I thought, isn't that ironic? And But I would do the same thing, come in, turn on the TV, and just kind of numb out. And... I talked to a friend of mine who's a monk, and he said, that's okay. Okay. That's what you should be doing now then. You don't want to do it forever. But it was interesting. I At some points, I needed a little bit of permission just to do what I had to do to get through. And I think that that's probably, again, different for everyone. But it's sometimes I... I struggled because I was like, I should be exercising more. I should be this more. But if you just, the more you fight, the more you resist. It's like so many things. The more you resist, the longer it'll take you to get there. One thing I was going to ask is, was there something particularly helpful? People are always saying, what can I say? Is there something that's particularly helpful to hear? Or is it just mostly the intent? 
I think for me, it's not so much the words, it's that they're there, that they may call you. I think if people are trying to help someone, it's wonderful. I had a, a, um, a friend, she was my son's mother-in-law, actually, who would call me about every once every three weeks or so, and she would just call, and there was never a demand. I mean, she lived in a different city, and but she would just call and talk to me, and it just helped. And I kind of looked forward to her calls. I don't think I ever told her that, but I looked forward to those calls because she didn't forget me. I think that that's something that you deal with a little bit, the fear that people will forget you now that you're not a couple, now that you're not with the same group of people all the time. It's just natural that that happens. So I think that people not forgetting about you, just every now and then giving you a call or seeing you, that's something that that really helps. But in terms of what words to say, I don't know if there are words that are ever adequate. I think just being there and saying, you know, I care about you and let me know how I can help. Yeah, I have a friend from New Mexico, and she continues to text me about once a month. And it's just a text, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. And it means the world to me. Like a text is nice. You don't even have, you don't think you're interrupting somebody. You don't really have to think of the next thing. Exactly. Just a, a little contact that people know you're alive and know you're still there and think maybe you're still okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, was there anything else that you would like to say that you can think of? Mm. I guess I would just say trust your instincts. You know, w- whether you are the person dealing with grief or whether you have a friend dealing with grief, trust your instincts. And if you feel an urge to reach out, don't question yourself. Just do it because it'll mean the world to someone. Thank you. And that's exactly right. So thank you so much, Tony. Oh, you're welcome. I couldn't couldn't have gotten through it without you. And you were also very non-judgmental of me. Like you said, we did things really differently, and and there was no judgment. Right. That was really helpful. Well, thank you, because you helped me. I think that people help each other when they come together. That was my phone conversation with my friend Tony. Since we talked last summer, I've moved to a new city. But we continue to share our widowhood journey through phone conversations and texts. Tony has reduced her work hours, so she has more time for meeting friends old and new and hopes to go on many adventures. I'm Patty G, and you've been listening to This Is Gonna Hurt, Widows Mentoring Widows. Join me in two weeks when I'll talk to Marilyn. She helped me wade through all of the paperwork and financial decisions that come along with being a widow. To have another set of ears and um, be able to, you know, with your permission, and in my case with my permission, to be able to ask questions and then uh, for that other person to actually take notes. You can subscribe to This Is Gonna Hurt on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And you can send feedback ask questions, or share your own story by emailing thisisgonnahurt1 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.